0: Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors, and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, have you ever done something that you felt was so good but then somebody came along and said, "Nah, it was so bad." Have you ever done something that it was good for others and good for you and then somebody came along and said, "Nah, it wasn't good at all." Have you ever been there? Isn't it frustrating, maybe even heartbreaking because people are coming and saying that the good thing that you did was actually bad? Have you ever done something good and somebody called it bad? Here's what I know about humanity. And I don't need to teach you this. You're you you know this, I'm preaching to the choir, right? Here's what I know about humanity is that there's always gonna be people who are haters. There's always gonna be people who are negative. There's always gonna be people who will push back and they're not pushing back because they want you to be better. They're pushing back because they know they're not getting better and they don't want anything to be better around them. There's always gonna be people who will have a problem for your every solution, right? And here's what I love about Jesus. He knew this about us. Maybe because he's our creator, (laughs) Maybe because he's our sustainer. But he knew this about us, and he actually talks about this in his most famous teaching of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. This sermon is all about the kingdom of God. It's all about how to follow Jesus. And at the beginning of this sermon are the Beatitudes. These are the values. These are the postures of our hearts as followers of Jesus. And it's in the Beatitudes that he actually shares a similar idea that we've just talked about. When you're doing something good and somebody comes at you and calls it bad. Here's the words of Jesus. He said this, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now it sounds similar to what we've just talked about, right? But I also know that I I feel, and maybe you feel this too. I also feel and know that Jesus is actually talking about something a bit deeper and something a bit greater here, right? Like he's, he's wanting us to consider our lives. He's wanting us to consider what it is that we're doing with our lives. The invitation here is not just that you are thinking about the good things that you've done, but the invitation here is to consider the good things that you're doing that are actually God things. Because according to Jesus, you and I are gonna build something with our lives. We're either gonna build our kingdom or we're gonna participate in the kingdom of God. We're gonna help build the kingdom of God. And we get to decide We're going to suffer for something. We're going to struggle for someone. We're going to work and give our lives to something. And we get to decide if it's going to be for us and what we want, or if it's going to be for those around us and something greater than us, and if it's going to be for the kingdom of God. And according to Jesus, when you do good, people will push back. But when you do the good thing that God has placed inside of you, there will be a a deep struggle and deep pushback. Here's the way he puts it. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so I wanna talk about that with you today. And I wanna talk about it in three ways. First, I wanna talk just briefly about persecution. Then I wanna talk just for a moment about righteousness. And then we'll spend the rest of our time talking about the kingdom of heaven. And then I wanna ask you a question. So let's talk about persecution for a moment. The word that Jesus actually uses here Here's the definition of that word, to harass or to punish in a way that's designed to injure or grieve or to cause one to suffer because of a belief. And when Jesus uses this word, he attaches that belief to the word righteousness. And in his mind, he's saying that there are those that will come against you when you live in a very righteous Way There are those that will harass and grieve and maybe even attempt to injure you or to cause suffering because you're living according to the way of Jesus. You're living in the kingdom of God. So again, according to Jesus, persecution is going to come and it's going to come because you're choosing to live the way that Jesus has invited you to live. And that way he describes as righteousness. Now, just a few weeks ago, we talked about this because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about those who are happy or joyful for the kingdom of God. They, they want righteousness. They are hungry for it. They're thirsty for it. And his promise is that they will be filled. And it was in that message that we actually learned the definition of righteousness, that it's personal and that it's public. There's a personal righteousness that God brings through the person and work of Jesus And we call that a personal holiness and a rightness with God. And let me just remind you that a personal holiness and a rightness with God is not something that you and I can achieve on our own. It only comes because God has given us his son on the cross and through the resurrection. So when Jesus talks about righteousness, he's talking about the gift that we receive when we trust in him. And it's personal to us. It's holiness and rightness with God. But it doesn't stay within us. It actually influences the world around us. We called it cultural wholeness or justice. Here's here's the idea. That when Jesus makes us right with our heavenly father, we can then be right with and right for the whole world. Because the message of Jesus is to reconcile the world to God, our heavenly father. And that we are a part of that. We are ambassadors. We are storytellers of that. So when Jesus talks about righteousness, this is what he's talking about. And here's why it's so important for you and I to know that. When he's talking about persecution, he's not just talking about pushback. Like you did something good and somebody was like, nah, that's not good. That business, that school, that relationship you're in, that's not good. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is talking about is that you and I have decided to live in the way of Jesus, in the way of the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of this way or because of this righteousness. Here's why that persecution comes. Because it's not normal. It's weird. It's weird to like those who are nothing like you or don't like you. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he invites us to do when we follow him. It's weird to be generous when most people are selfish. It's weird to be compassionate to your enemies when most of us want to eliminate our enemies. It's weird, and that's why there's persecution. It's weird to speak up for those who are marginalized and not just speak up for them and be angry at those who are doing the marginalization. Is that even a word? Who, are, who are, are treating them terribly, but to actually recognize that the image of God is placed on both those who are marginalized and those who are actually doing this terrible thing to those who are marginalized. That's weird, but it's the way of Jesus, and it's just a small example of what happens when righteousness, personal holiness, and rightness with God takes over your life. It overflows into cultural wholeness. It brings healing to the world and you and I get to be that. It's why at Active we talk about connecting our heart to our hands. We get to provide hope because Jesus is the Lord of our life and then here's what I love about what he says. He says that when you live this way there's a benefit, there's a promise. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the kingdom of heaven. And there's two layers to it. There's the kingdom of heaven in heaven. And then there's the kingdom of heaven on earth. So let's talk about both. Let's talk about the one in heaven. The life after this life. Because ultimately, that is what this life is preparing us for. We are preparing for life after this life. We want to get it right now. We want to get it right now. Today, we want to get it together. We want to live the way that Jesus has created us to live so that when we get to heaven, we'll live this life. It'll be a part of our natural rhythm and we get the reward of our faith. We get God, we get Jesus. And this promise is powerful because he promises after this life that we get heaven. And in order to talk about it, I want to talk about three individuals that follow Jesus. Peter, James, and John. Peter actually was probably the closest follower and friend of Jesus. He was the first to preach the message of Jesus to the world. He gave the first sermon. Like what I'm doing right now, Peter was the first to speak about the way and the work of Jesus. Peter was the first to actually take the message outside of the city limits. Peter was the first to affirm that the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, were actually welcomed into the kingdom of God and that Jesus died and rose again for them too. And Peter was actually somebody who was the first to die for his faith. He actually gave of his life for his faith in Jesus. And get this, history teaches us that he requested to be crucified upside down. Because he didn't want to die like his Savior died. Because he didn't feel like he was worthy. So not only was he tortured and suffered for his faith, but he actually requested to be flipped upside down because Jesus died right side up and he didn't feel he was worthy enough to die in the same way. Isn't that remarkable? And it was Luke who wrote this letter called Acts in the Bible that records the moments where this persecution began, where Peter and John are sharing the story of Jesus and the religious leaders come to them and say, you cannot talk about this anymore. And they beat them and threaten them with death. And Peter responds with these words. He says, hey, judge for yourself. If we should listen to you or listen to God, but here's what you need to know. Acts chapter four, verse 20. We cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. We gotta talk about this. And if it's gonna be a problem, then I guess we're gonna have a problem because we're gonna tell the story of Jesus. People need hope, people need love, people need salvation, people need life, people need eternity. And we're going to talk about this. And not only was Peter talking about that, but John was talking about that. And John didn't give his life for Jesus like his physical life for Jesus but it doesn't mean that those that came against him didn't try to take his life he was dipped in boiling oil so that they could torture him so that he would recant his faith and John didn't and when he didn't die the Romans decided to just drop him off on a deserted island but here's what's so remarkable about that moment when he was dropped off in this island God showed up, he was present. And we know this because this is where the letter of revelation comes from. And this letter speaks about how Jesus gets the victory. And it's a powerful letter at the end of the scriptures. And then there's James. The brother of Jesus who didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ until he rose from the grave. And then he gave his life to his brother. He called his brother Lord. And he was beaten and he was tortured because of his faith. And here's what I know about each of these guys. And here's what we can learn about each of those people that followed Jesus in that first century. That they, even when they faced actual death, they were not afraid. I'm sure they had moments of anxiety. I'm sure that they had moments where they were nervous. I'm sure they had moments where fear tried to win. But they overcame those moments because of who they followed. They followed Jesus. And they weren't afraid to lose their life. Do you know why? Because they followed the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Messiah. And it caused them to live with confidence and with courage and with contentment to not be afraid that if they lost their life, their story would be over because they knew of the promise of Jesus that their last breath on earth would be their first breath in heaven. And maybe the words of Jesus that John wrote down was playing in their heads. John wrote this down as Jesus shared it with the first disciples in John 14.1. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Here's here's the promise. That no matter what you face in this life, when you trust your life to Jesus, that your last breath on earth, whether it's because you lived a long life or whether it's because someone took your life, the promise of Jesus is that your next breath will be in paradise, in the kingdom of heaven. And the first Christians believe this and we're confident in this. And we at Active Church believe this. And it's why we don't have to live with so much fear, but we can actually be people of faith. That's the promise of Jesus. And that promise is for everybody that trusts in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But the kingdom of heaven isn't just about there. It's actually about here too. It talks about how we live in this world right now. And Jesus did make a promise. And John wrote it down. And his promise was this. In this world, you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Thanks for that. Thanks for that wonderful promise, right? But his point is that even if you do good that you defined People will push against it. But when you do good that actually God has defined, when you step into your purpose, when you step into the great, great purpose that God has designed for you, there will be people that will come against it. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't give in, but overcome that moment with courage because he says, I have overcome the world. And the promise is that you in this life will receive the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So what does he mean? And this is where Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, gives us a great answer. He wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome, similar to our, our world, our situation. They wanted to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and we were trying to figure out how to do that. And so Paul wrote them this really beautiful letter called Romans in the scriptures. And in it, he talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. They're interchangeable. And listen to what he says about this life right now and the reward or the promise of the kingdom of heaven on earth. He says, for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot there. There's a lot of good doctrine and theology there. So let's just take it line by line. And I want to start with that eating and drinking part, not just because I'm hungry right now or thirsty, but, but because it's important. And here's here's what was happening when Paul was writing this. In Rome, there was a debate about who were Christians and who were not Christians based upon what someone ate or didn't eat. And this was was their argument, which is so interesting because humanity hasn't changed in over 2,000 years, right? We still argue about things that don't matter. We still make things The priority when we miss the person of Jesus. And that's what Paul is addressing here. He wants us to understand that following Jesus will cause you to move in a new rhythm of life. It's not about what you eat or drink. It's about how you're choosing to live in this world right now. Did you know in the first century, you weren't a Christian because you believed something? You were a Christian because you lived a certain way. You loved those who didn't love you. You were gracious and compassionate to your enemies. You served those around you. You were generous. You were kind. Why? Because Jesus was Lord and he sets you free from your sin and he gave you mercy and grace. The point is that they didn't have to hear from you in that time to hear about you. And this has happened today at Active. In fact, in December, when we as a church raised $10,000 for a family that lost their home in a fire, you don't know this, but I received No less than 25 direct messages on social media from people at Active and people on the outside of Active asking what we're going to do because that fire happened. Not demanding and not believing that we should do something, but they just know our reputation and they know that we're people who are going to provide hope in any and all circumstances because that's what Jesus has done for us. And so they reached out and said, what can we do? We want to join you. And some of you reached out who are a part of Active and said, we got to step up. We got to be a part of this. What can we do? How can we serve? How can we give? You know why that happened? Because our community has heard about us and they don't necessarily have to hear from us. We didn't have to tell them, this is who we are. They heard about us. Our reputation speaks for itself because when you're a follower of Jesus, you live a certain way. And you don't live that way so that you can become better for God. That's not good news, that's normal news. That's going to the gym news. You go to the gym so that you can have a better physique, right? And a better body. You eat healthy so that you can be healthy. But that's not why we follow Jesus. The good news of Jesus is this. We become better because Jesus has forgiven us and set us free, friends. That's the good news. Paul's point in this first part as he talks about eating and drinking, is he's saying when you're talking about the rules and the regulations and the laws, you're missing the point. The hero in the story is Jesus, Jesus is Iron Man. Jesus is Captain America. Jesus is Black Widow. Like this is who Jesus, he's the hero. He's the one that has rescued and saved. If you're not a Marvel fan, those are Marvel characters. Just wanted to catch you up, all right? But Jesus is the superhero and the gospel of Jesus. It shifts our focus from our performance to the performance of Jesus. And then we respond to what Jesus has done in us. That's why we live a certain way. That's why we want cultural wholeness because God has made us personally holy. That's the first part. Now let's continue. Let me read that verse again to you. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When Paul talks about the kingdom of God, here's what he wants you to know. The kingdom of God is the phrase that he uses to remind you of here's what it looks like When God's rule and reign is leading your life. He says you will experience when God is in charge, when God is leading you, when Jesus is Lord of your life, you will experience a life of goodness, of peace and joy. And then he says in the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk about that big piece, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood doctrines in all of Christianity, and often we can equate the Holy Spirit to chaotic living or strange living. Sometimes people who say that they're filled with the Holy Spirit are strange and weird, but not in a good way, not in a a weird way that is like the way of Jesus, but in a way that you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. The Holy Spirit's job, first of all, the Holy Spirit is God in spirit, and His job is to remind you of what Jesus has already accomplished in you and to stir that up so it overflows outside of you. That's the spirit of God's job. It's the presence of God in you. When you trust in Jesus, God gives you himself in spirit. And experiencing the presence of God, get this, experiencing the presence of God is not determined by you, but because we receive the Holy Spirit, it's determined by God. God is the one that says, I will draw near. God is the one that says, I will be close. This is who God is. And the Spirit of God allows us to feel God and expect a move of God. In fact, because we have the Spirit of God inside of us as followers of Jesus, we can be looking for God daily. That's what Paul is writing us and telling us. That's what the kingdom of God is like, is you can sense and experience and be looking for God to move daily, hourly, even in every minute here's what I love about what he says is that the kingdom of God is actually positional and the kingdom of God is emotional it's positional and the Holy Spirit reminds us of this that we are actually made right with God because of the person and work of Jesus and then it's emotional because the Holy Spirit brings about two really great values two really great feelings peace and joy the word peace in the Hebrew language is is beautiful Think of, think of the last time that you did a puzzle. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe since we were in like, lockdown, you haven't done a puzzle since then, right? But remember when you did a puzzle, maybe it was a, a five-piece puzzle or a 500-piece or maybe a thousand, 5,000-piece puzzle. And that moment when you actually put that last piece in the puzzle, it's a moment of satisfaction, right? Don't you want to step back and go, I am the smartest human alive. Look what I have created. Look what I've done. That's literally what the word peace means in the Hebrew language. It's shalom. It's filling in all the pieces. It's making you complete. The peace of God, and the word that Paul uses here is peace in Hebrew. The peace of God, it puts you back together, even while things around you are falling apart. And that's peculiar, right? It's weird. It's strange. When when you're happy when no one else is, when you're confident even though things are chaotic. That's what peace does. And not only do you experience peace, but it gets expressed emotionally in joy. It's like a combination of being happy and grateful. Man, I'm so happy that God loves me and I'm grateful that he extended his mercy to me. I didn't do anything to earn this. He chose to love me and he chose to love you. This is what Paul wants you to understand when he talks about the kingdom of heaven. So let me take you back to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're not just doing something good. They're actually doing something godly. They're building and participating and revealing the kingdom of God. That's what they're working for. That's what they're struggling for. That's what they've given their lives to. Jesus says, there will be those that will come against you, but your reward will be life after this life. And while you're on earth, your reward will be life in the presence of God. Get this, no matter how you choose to live when you are serving Jesus, you get God, you get the presence of God. Whether you're in heaven or you're on earth, you get the presence of God. And the promise is that you will experience the goodness of God, the peace of God, and the joy that God brings. So in light of what Jesus has just laid out in front of us, and in light of what Paul has done with those words of Jesus, I have a question for you to consider. Whose kingdom are you prioritizing? Whose kingdom are you participating in? Whose kingdom are you working for? Whose kingdom are you struggling for? Whose kingdom are you suffering For, living for. That's really what Jesus wants us to consider when he brings up this thought about those who are persecuted for righteousness. You will build a kingdom with your life, and you get to choose if it's yours or if it's your heavenly father's. Now, listen, if you build your kingdom, here's what Jesus is talking about when you build your kingdom you may get the car, and you may get the house. And you may get the job, and you may get the family, and all of those things are good. But here's what happens when you build your kingdom. When you're gone, your kingdom's gone. It does not go beyond you. But when you choose to give your life to Jesus, and you participate in building the kingdom of God, the promise is that you get God. You get the Holy Spirit, and then life after this life, you get to be face-to-face with Jesus You get peace and joy in the goodness of God. And then here's the remarkable thing. His promise, the promise of Jesus, is that all these things will be added unto you as well. So not only do you get the kingdom of God, but you get all of the things that we enjoy here on earth that actually we can honor God with. And the greatest promise is that when you help build the kingdom of God, that kingdom goes on beyond you. That the work that you do, the words that you share, it actually has eternal impact. So whose kingdom are you choosing to suffer for, to struggle for, to live for, to work for? May you choose to give your life and the story of your life to Jesus. May you participate and struggle and work for the kingdom of God, friends. And if you're not sure, how to differentiate between your kingdom and God's kingdom. Let me bring some clarity. Earthly kingdoms are about me. God's kingdom is about others. And so is your life about you? Or is it about those around you first? This is why we invite you regularly to take a next step because your better story is one decision away. And often what we do is we say we want to live for God. We want to be a part of the kingdom of God, but then... We don't have a game plan. We don't have a strategy. We don't have a pathway. We don't have a next step. So could I give you just a couple to consider? The first is you should be a part of Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week experience. You discover the story of God, the purpose that God has placed in you, and you can develop friendships with those around you. You will have your life changed at Rooted because God is there and he's present and he's working. And you can sign up for Rooted on our website, activechurches.com. Just click the groups link and you'll see the sign up there. This is why I would invite you to actually be a part of a team, be an activator here at Active Church. In fact, this Thursday night at 6.30 in this room on this campus in Ukaipa, is our team night. We would love for you to come and be a part of this, even if you're not on a team, because there is this day called Easter that's coming, and it's like the greatest day in all of history. And we have over 2,000, nearly 3,000 people that will show up on our campus, and we need you to welcome them, to love them, to serve them. And it's time for you to not just be a seat filler. It's time for you to get involved and to live out your purpose. And so come to team night and discover what you can do with us at Active at Easter to tell a better story. And then this one's personal, but it's a decision that many of you may need to make. It's time for you to get baptized. Not an announcement that you're perfect, but an announcement that you follow the perfect God who is completing a good work in you. And so I would invite you to sign up for baptism today. If you're going to show up on campus, you can stop by Guest Central. If you're watching or listening, you can send us a direct message. We would love to help you get started and sign you up for baptism on Easter. Friends, may you give your story, your life, your work, your suffering, your struggling. May it be for the kingdom of God. Because the promise is that you would receive the kingdom of heaven. God himself, peace, and joy, and the goodness that God brings. Let me pray some words over you. Heavenly Father, all of these words tell a really great story. But this story doesn't actually take root in our hearts until we say yes. Until we say yes to you. And so all of this talk about peace and joy and the Holy Spirit and life after this life, man, it's so good. But I know that there are those watching and listening that may need to say yes to you for the first time or perhaps say yes to you again today because they've been prioritizing their way and their kingdom and their wants. And they need to prioritize you. And we know that there's going to be pushback. We know that there's going to be issues. We know that we might have to suffer for some of the decisions we're making to choose to honor you and honor people around you and around us. But God, I pray that today would be a day where we say yes. We say yes to your way. We say yes to your word. We say yes to your work. We want the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven on earth. We want you, so may we live for you because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray these things and together we say amen and amen amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Ukaipa. See you next time.